Welcome to the Share Your Story podcast. Hello guys and welcome back to Share Your Story podcast. This week we are going to be joined by Barra. Barra is from Syria and is now based in the southwest of England. He set up a project called From Syria with Love. The project is completely non-profit and is a direct link to the people who really need it. If you'd like to find out more, you can head to www.fromsyriawithlove.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce that this week's episode is the first episode we have Beth Chesser creating music to go alongside our stories. We're extremely lucky to have Beth Chesser working with us, so look out for her music in future episodes. Also, I would like to announce our new intro that was created by my lovely brother, Leif Hillier. He is working on a new album now. Until then, you can go to magicpocketsmusic.com to find more of his work. As always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You can support us by subscribing or sharing. And you can find out more details about us on Facebook, Twitter and www.sysbrighton.co.uk. We'll be back with you with a new story in two weeks' time. Thank you for now. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Bara Kujam. I'm from Syria. I was born in 88 in Aleppo and uh, I lived with my mom and two sisters. Um, I grew up in quite um, um, well off background. Uh, I was fortunate. I had uh, pretty much everything I needed um, without even asking for it. And um, I was a bit naive about the world's problems and the world's uh, miseries um, happening around. Um, I was living kind of in a small bubble of ignorance, if you can, if you want to call it. And um, yeah, I. I did my my um, elementary education and then I went to university. Um, when I was 18 I came for the first time to the UK to visit my sister and learn English. And I was thinking about which university, which major I'm going to study at the university because I was uh, worried between um, uh, choosing to study engineering or business. And uh, eventually I decided that I'll study engineering, but not because I liked it, unfortunately, because it was more socially accepted to be an engineer. And as I mentioned, I was uh, naive, so um, I wouldn't uh, expect a good, wise decision. When I used to ask um, uh, some of my family members, what am I going to do with my degree? And one of the answers I got was, you're just going to put it in your office desk (laughs) and you're going to work in the family business. Um, which was quite reassuring and um, yeah I had um, very uh, responsible uh, situations in my life Uh, I remember one of the years I had my mobile phone bill was 200 pounds a month for a whole year and yeah suddenly and the the crisis started in my country and I volunteered with one of the refugee uh, support groups and um, NGOs and uh, I realized, I started to realize how much difference that the money makes in other people's lives. Um, my family did, inten- my family's intention was never to spoil me but I was a responsible kid just like any other kid who 
come from a lot of background, unfortunately. But my family was always trying, keen trying to um, control or um, yeah, um, my behaviors and try to advise me on how to behave better. But you never listen to your parents, especially when you're a teenager. Yeah, so I started to realize how much um, difference the money makes in people's lives and um, my life started to change actually, it was a massive changing point in my life and uh, I started work getting more involved in helping you know, internally displaced people and um, physically and financially and through um, raising awareness and talking about it. Um, I graduated in from computer engineering. I mean, it, it took me seven years to study engineering, even though it, I should have finished it in five, but I failed two years because I didn't like it. And then my family was asking me to um, develop my skills and work more on my, um, to guarantee my future. And um, I decided to come again to the UK after coming uh, twice before. So I was thinking about what do I want to do? And um, I realized that if I'm going to get a job, uh, my, our family property was um, affected by the crisis and um, we had a um, textile factory that was burned and uh, destroyed and I had to start thinking seriously about my future, about my career because I wouldn't be able to go back to family business at all, unfortunately. So I was thinking about getting a master's degree because my education worth nothing also. Um, University of Aleppo were out of world ranking in 2013 and um, so I thought I had to uh, get a degree that allows me to work and if I wanted to work I don't I didn't think I was going to do well in engineering school because I didn't like it and um, so I saw this course in Exeter which combines between business and IT it's called IT management for business and I felt it's very good combination for what I studied for, for studied for seven years and for what I like, which is management and business and administration and entrepreneurship. So I applied for it and I got accepted. I applied, I traveled to Turkey after, one of the things that I've done in Syria before traveling was managing a charity kitchen that produces 30,000 meals every day for internally displaced people uh, with a charity called Ehsan Charity. I was co-founder of the, of the kitchen, which is still operating until now. Then I left to Turkey to do the IELTS test and to uh, apply for the university and apply for the visa. I got all the papers ready for me uh, to apply for the visa. I got my um, university acceptance papers from Exeter, my graduation certificate from Aleppo translated and verified, the bank account details which proves that I'm able to uh, pay my international student fees and living costs in the UK and residency permit in Turkey and uh, yeah I brought all literally and the IELTS English test uh, results and they yet they still refused my visa for the first time they said we don't believe you're a genuine student we believe that you are planning to just come to the UK to seek asylum and I was very annoyed and I objected in very um, st st straightforward uh, annoyed uh, language and I told them well you're discriminating against me this is um, shouldn't have been this should not be happening because I provided you all what you wanted and I'm coming to study and I was serious I really want to study and go back I'm 
I, I never fancied living away from home. Um, it's just the same for everyone. So they called me after two weeks. They said, okay, you can come collect your visa, give us your passport and we'll give you a visa. So I got the visa and I traveled to Exeter. I got the visa just one day before my course. And I traveled to the UK without accommodation, without knowing anyone, without, and my course was the next day. I looked up a hostel on the internet and um, I wanted to, to go to it. So I took a taxi from the coach station to the hostel, but it was apparently a very old address and there was nothing. Um, so the taxi suggested that he takes me to the University of Exeter and I went there. I told them my story and they told me, I told them that I'm late and I couldn't book accommodation because I was not sure about my visa and they told me we'll put you in an in emergency accommodation uh, room. So they put me with, um, they took me uh, to one of the halls and they put me in um, a room called emergency uh, accommodation. And there I met a guy uh, called Salahin. He was also late uh, for his course and he was staying in the emergency accommodation next room. There were two rooms. And um, yeah, we were chatting for like five or ten minutes and he asked me, we, we both discussed, like, are, we, are you looking for accommodation? I said yes. And I asked him, are you? He said yes. So we agreed to do it together. We started looking for accommodation uh, everywhere and then uh, the second, third day I had to leave the emergency accommodation because they'd only give it to you for two days. So I went to the mosque and I wanted to sleep in the mosque until I can find accommodation. I had a problem with the Imam, he didn't let me in and I had a massive argument with him and uh, um, then I left. Eventually, I found uh, a place, um, just 10, 15 minutes walk from the university, with uh, the same guy, Bangladeshi Salihin. And he's, he's really, he turned out to be a really, really nice guy and um, really easy going to and chilled out to uh, live with. So, we spent uh, one great year, and um, then I did an internship in Kent. I had to uh, do internship for my course instead of dissertation, which was good. And um, yeah, I f finished my masters, and uh, I wanted. I was continuously always in touch with um, refugees and with helping with people who need help or need money um, as much as I could. And uh, because of my situation being surrounded with people who are fortunate or lucky to be able to afford or um, to. Um, have reasonably good life and because of my connections with the people on the ground working with refugees I thought that I could be a link between the both so I started uh, one of the activities in Exeter it was 31st of October um, 2015 just a year ago literally from now and uh, I wanted to reflect to people in the UK that it's Every, it's Halloween every day in Syria or in other places where refugees are living. So I started this art exhibition that has drawings done by children living in the refugee camps in Lebanon. And um, the, some of the drawings are really, really powerful, dramatic, tragic uh, pictures. Others are hopeful and uh, promising. Um, it was a very important um, activity, event I've done. Uh, it uh, actually uh, reflected that it, it reflects that childhood and art are universal language can be understood by anyone anywhere it also showed how these children's imagination is affected by the crisis there's a lot of blood and tears and guns in their drawings and these children should be thinking about friendship and love and um, flowers and other beautiful things 
and they're losing their childhood. Uh, so uh, when I did the exhibition, um, I started getting um, good coverage from the press. I had the university paper writing about it, the local Express and Echo paper wrote about it. Um, I spoke on BBC Devon about it and BBC Spotlight, the TV guys came and made a piece about it. And I took it from there. I started touring this, touring the UK with this exhibition. And uh, I traveled uh, to more than 22 different destinations across the UK. And uh, recently I've been to France, um, Paris, did the exhibition there like three weeks ago. And so far it has raised more than 24,000 pounds in less than a year, on any year actually. And it's going to Harvard in, um, next week um, to be exhibiting also and um, the drawings. And alongside um, raising awareness about the, um, the children's plight, I also do a talk to um, challenge all the stereotypes and misconceptions that people have about um, refugees. And um, I uh, spoke to uh, more than 3,500 people in total across the UK about the Syrian plight. Um, so I, the charity's process was um, charity registration process was real pain. There's a lot of there was a lot of paperwork, and I had help from um, Devon local. She's called Trish. She's amazing. She attended one of my presentations and then decided to get involved and asked me how can she help. And then I told her, well, actually, uh, that'll be great if you could help me with registration. And then we started looking for trustees. And uh, also in Brighton, I met one of the people, um, she's a second year English literature, she's called Molly. And she also came to me and she asked me, how can I help, how can I volunteer? I told her, well, uh, any way you can. So she thought about writing a book and I was, um, I really liked the idea and I supported her. Now the book is, go is going really well. It's going to be so sold in Shakespeare and companies. And partners or com yeah Shakespeare companies, yeah. Shakespeare companies in Paris and uh, it's gonna be sold in Canada Australia Germany uh, US and UK um, hopefully um, so yeah Molly Trish um, has been uh, a lot of help uh, for me in the, in the charity process registration and eventually we got the charity registration number the charity um, is mainly based on the three selling points we have. The first one is um, zero management or administration costs. Um, as I said, because I'm fortunate and I'm lucky, I thought it would be um, very um, helpful if I could uh, be a link without charging management administration costs so people can make sure 100% of their donation is going to the cause. And the second one is um, transparency. We provide the highest possible level of transparency on the website about how we spend the donations. And the third one is the beneficiary's dignity. So we try to keep their dignity. We don't try to show pictures of us giving them money and like other charities do, and it's really annoying. So running the charity has been quite intensive for me because every time I have to speak to more than three exhibitions, let's say three exhibitions at least. So I would be speaking with the previous exhibition that I've done to collect the money from them and send it um, to Syria or Lebanon. And, start and liaise with the people on the ground. And the current exhibition that I'm doing with physically um, the hanging the pictures and uh, framing and printing and coming exhibition uh, to send them the materials and tell them how to do it. 
and the next exhibition, the one after the coming one, to try to um, ask them if they are interested in doing the exhibition. So I'm always in contact with four different uh, parties about the exhibition and uh, uh, that's only from UK or outside of Syria and Lebanon side. On the ground in Syria I will be talking about people who I sent the money to, who are very trustworthy, some of them are my personal friends and I knew them for a while, to ask them to um, how we are going to document the money and what are we spending it on and what are the projects and then ask them to do it then they'll send me back the materials and the documentation i'll have to translate it and update the website and then send the documentation to people who donated so they can make sure that uh, their donations are going to the right place and uh, this is this actually is preventing me from applying for a job um, if I wasn't lucky and fortunate enough to be able to afford to live in the UK, um, I, won't, I wouldn't be able to do From Syria With Love. And um, it, ma it makes me uh, feel very... Um, it makes me... It doesn't make me feel... It makes me feel... It doesn't make me feel um, helpless because I feel sometimes I can actually make a difference. It's quite difficult because sometimes you just wonder, well, it's been going on for ages and it will still go on. So it's the point of actually keep trying to fix what other people are ruining. But um, yeah, I think there's a duty and um, moral duty and humanitarian duty f mm. for every single one of us. And we should all um, keep uh, doing it and never even consider or thinking about um, um, stepping uh, down or um, pulling away from it. Because if everyone thought this way, then it's only going to get worse. So we keep trying to do what we're doing and we keep trying to um, get everyone engaged. And um, that's what, I'm, what I try to do with my presentation. It's not only informative, it's informative, but also try to engage people, engage people with the... Um, um, helping and uh, uh, making uh, a force to change.